passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to the final Cafe Hangout of 2019. The year is coming to an end. That means lots of finals of the year, and this is the final Hangout. So welcome, everybody. John Pollock and Wei Ting with you for the next 90 minutes, give or take. And what a final episode we have for the year, everybody. We are going to be opening up the phone lines, taking your phone calls throughout the show, and a late addition to the show, we're going to be joined by independent wrestler Dominic Garini, who is going to be on the program. You may be familiar with his work uh, all over the place on MLW Fusion with Game Changer, AIW, uh, Beyond Wrestling, where he'll be featured on tonight's program on Uncharted Territory. So looking forward to chatting with him about uh, an interesting topic with this past Sunday's TLC main event, how it was handled, and a similar experience that he found himself in uh, in a match earlier this year. So looking forward to chatting with Dominic. I'm looking forward to it, too. I'm glad to have uh, insight from somebody actually, you know, who has been in the ring in a similar situation. So we will chat with him at the bottom of the hour, and we'll be taking your phone calls. We want to know uh, people's thoughts on last night's programming from both AEW and NXT. And we're also throwing it out there. Big stories of the year, big stories of the decade. If you have any that you want to throw out uh, that you are going to remember this decade slash year by, you can give us a call 732-800-4423 or Skype in by searching for Post Wrestling. And after 4 p.m., we should be getting the ratings in for Dynamite and NXT. What we thought were going to be the final offerings from each this year, but NXT will have programming the next two weeks, although they won't be live from full sale, but they are going to present episodes on USA on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. So just in case anyone was worried about not having some pro wrestling on Christmas Day. What are we going to talk about if not a brand new wrestling show? There's there's NXT for you to fill that And, and probably... A smart move to just put something together and fill in that, that two-hour time slot and keep people in that habit, I guess, uh, because there probably will be We're some. in the that... midst of a war, John, and when your enemy sleeps, that's when you plan your attack. Look at this. Uh, Sun Tzu's uh, tactics at, <laughs> at play here between the two companies. Oh, dear. Uh, already starting to get hear from people here. But um, we will be going to the, uh, the phone lines uh, momentarily, and Wayne and I will also get into NXT. You can go listen to Rewind to Dynamite for our full thorough thoughts on AEW Dynamite, but NXT, big show on Wednesday night with two title matches, headlined by Rhea Ripley winning the women's title over Shayna Baszler, and uh, quite the scene to go off the air, and a fantastic NXT title match with Adam Cole and Finn Balor as well. I really liked NXT this week, as I have been enjoying, I think, most weeks now, but I thought this particular episode was just like... 
it 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 felt big you know i think you had a lot of big expectations going in and i think the flow of it very much delivered with really solid matches top to bottom and what i'm most impressed by is just how how cohesive the storytelling is you know every single match i felt like i knew the backstory going into it i think i have a very great grasp grasp of like backstories for all the individual individual characters what big shows they're building up towards uh throughout the entire show even the what would be on paper a cold match between pete dunn and travis banks that's just building up worlds Worlds collide Collide. yeah they brought up dunn losing to banks early in his career Mm -hmm. that was it like that's all you need and i think at times like we we look too deep into needing stories and characters fleshed out and there was just one line very simple this guy lost him early in his career he wants to avenge that loss boom i've got something that i care about the end of what would just be you know a great wrestling match in a sea of great wrestling matches you Mm -hmm. have to be able to have those those quick little uh synopsises of why i care about this great wrestling match because i can get great wrestling on either show yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the treatment of uh, even somebody like Io Shirai with a little bit of a video package before her, her actual match, it does, to me, just a whole lot to, you know, propel somebody's star power, even when they're not in the midst of a big storyline. And I also really like the treatment of, of the both title matches, of course. How did you think the, the, the title switch came with, uh, with Rhea Ripley, how that was pulled off? Like, I, I think everyone saw this as the the night to switch it yeah. i was glad they didn't you know feel the need to deviate from that plan because eh, it felt like the right time i mean ripley was booked so strong coming off of that survivor series weekend i think to have her lose at this moment would have derailed that momentum uh, and i think now was certainly the time to capitalize on it i thought the match went across really well uh, i like the finish a lot and the in-ring celebration afterwards while i think at times you could definitely feel like it's it's you know these moments are somewhat manufactured with everybody spilling what are the you ring. talking about Wait, what, that, that was a mosh pit have you ever been to a mosh know, pit whatever it's pro wrestling you know ecw's done the same thing in the end you're left with this kind of like visual of just the whole world celebrating rear Rhea, Rhea ripley's win which will replay the, the shit out of i think throughout the rest of her career yeah and i mean what what do you think this signals for Shayna baszler I think everybody expects a call-up, you know. I really don't know how much more she has left to accomplish in NXT. I, I think as a constant in NXT, she'll always be a big star. But I also, you see the potential with her and the feud with Becky that they've already set in motion. So I definitely see that in the future. Yeah, I would make that her, her swan song. I don't need mm-hmm. them to do one more rematch or, you know, to solidify it. I think this is good. Move her on. And and I think she should be gone for, you know, if she pops up at the Rumble, that's great timing. Have her disappear for a month and be wondering where she's going to end up next, and maybe the Rumble is the best place to put her in, or uh, however you want to do it. The men's subtle picture with, of course, uh, Johnny Gargano making his return, uh, distracting Finn Balor and preventing him from winning the NXT title. How do you see that playing out? Well, obviously, just going right back to the initial plans to do Balor and Gargano, and hopefully they can stretch that one out to take over. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be the time that you pull the trigger on that match and you can do a really good build-up with with those two uh with gargano back um it's just this in-between period that you have with this world's collide how much does that become kind of like a survivor series where you're promoting something different and i wouldn't expect them to be doing like their big nxt stories to peak at that show instead waiting till february 16th doesn't mean you can't build up to that match in the form of a tag team match or something else right you know yeah they should all be involved in the show i think i think nxt's had the biggest challenge thus far having to promote 
both War Games and Takeover at the same time, or, or and Survivor Series at the same time. So they've proven they've been been able to juggle, you know, two two big pay per views at once. Yeah, you're um, you're gonna have less of that lead time, at least by NXT standards, with Worlds Collide January. Then mm-hmm. it's right around the corner to Takeover, and even after that, you've got you know a month and a half till Takeover that you've got to have all that stuff set up for WrestleMania weekend. What match do you see for Adam Cole at Worlds Collide? Part of me hope it hopes it is not just Cole versus Walter, like cold. We're just going to put our champion champions together. I would like to see maybe they create a challenger out of NXT UK that's going for the NXT title. Now that we know you can go back and forth between mm-hmm. shows. I'd like to see some kind of program itself if we're going to have all interpromotional matches. Yeah. I mean, they could always go, you know, the route of like faction warfare between the Undisputed Era and, and something like uh, Imperium. But Imperium are so far down, I think, the, the oh, whole chain. You, you know what? British wrestling experience, they would be just salivating. We have the Undisputed Era versus Gallus. God. Oh, my God. I don't know if they'll be... Is the world ready? Are the worlds ready to collide? Well, I will say, I think, you know, they've they've done... Eh, there are, like, certainly elements of NXT UK that I think you could promote to, you know, be of a, of a certain level. You have stars there, like a Walter, like a Tony Storm that I think people see. You know, uh, uh, Tyler Bate, um, people see on equal footing to, you know, some of your bigger NXT-level stars. But I, I definitely do feel like, uh, as a whole... They have a lot more building to do of NXT UK in the coming weeks. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. And I don't know how much um, building you're, you're going to be doing over the next two weeks, like how story intensive these episodes are going to be versus right. stuff that's thrown in there. And, you know, they tape some stuff, but you got to fill these episodes out. I wonder if they throw in like maybe one or two of the War Games matches that are just going to fill out, put those on USA uh, to fill out the shows. We got to think about, though, too, the NXT, I think, um, integration into the Rumble itself. You know, right. now, now that NXT is a certified third brand, you would assume that they would have an equal number of entrants as Raw or SmackDown into the Rumble this year, both Rumbles, men's and women's. So do you see wrestlers in NXT start to, you know, stake their claim for wanting to be a... The Rumble winner. It's a good question. Like, how how ingrained are they going to be into this? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they? Is it going to be split where you're going to have an equal number of NXT people? Are NXT going to be kept as surprises like p- prior years? I think you have to decide that. It's it's kind of tougher, but yeah, that's it's a good question for the Rumble this year of how they're going to manage the three brands with NXT on much more equal footing now. Any other notes from NXT? Any thoughts? Um, oh man, my my nitpick of the show was Pete Dunne hitting Travis Banks with a curb stomp. And Travis Banks just got up and countered a bitter end, like immediately after this thing. I was like, this dude just got his face stomped into the mat, and he was up in less than 10 seconds and on the offensive. I certainly do feel like even myself watching, uh, and maybe just this just comes from like the four hours of wrestling that I think wrestling fans are expected to watch on Wednesdays now, but... I do feel like on this particular NXT, there are a lot of matches that could have got, been shorter. They did not need to have a bunch of kickouts. Not everything needs Killian to Killian Dane and Damian Priest was yeah. equal in time to the title match that preceded it. Good match, but I think, you know, not everything to me needed to be a 10-minute, like, you know, wow, near fall, false finish, fall finish type of thing. Uh, just for the pace of the show and I think to maintain my interest, building up my anticipation even for the main event. Yeah, and I wonder what the thinking was because they put those two t- two matches, that started the show with two 15-minute matches back-to-back that whether the idea was, okay, people that tuned in for the title match, let's give them another immediately. Mm-hmm. But that's it, it's a lot to go 
from one right to the other. And you're probably not expecting Priest and Dane to be uh, 15 minutes of like a big epic match that they tried to present there. But I, I am curious to see what the uh, what the viewership is like, how much all of the the impeachment vote and all of that coverage took a toll probably on programming across the board, because that was uh, obviously is going to overshadow uh, both of these shows in terms of uh, people's interest that may regularly watch either program. We shall find out at the end, end of this program, but let's uh, go to the phone lines. And this person has been waiting on the phone for a long time. Caller in the cafe. What's up? Hey, guys. Paul from New Jersey. Hey, Paul. Hey, um, first off, I can't forget to say that um, uh, listening to the Rewind Away Royal Rumble 2000, uh, a couple friends and I actually had an inside joke whenever someone was doing something uh, we didn't want them to do. We'd yell, Terry, no, to the point where <laughs> we got our Spanish teacher, uh, Miss Maseri, to do it. And I totally, for- I completely forgot about this because, you know, all the wrestling and stuff and just listening to that. It reminded me of that. I played it for my for one of my friends who's still a good friend to this day, and he was laughing hysterical. See, so yeah, that was great. Um, oh, and yeah, great. as for like my oh yeah, um, as for like my biggest thing of the decade, I think. I mean, just going off what you guys have said, I think it's NXT. I think it's having. I mean, you look at any other sport or something like a sport that's always predicated on having younger talent. You look at AAA, AA, and high A's and all that stuff in baseball and. I think just preparing the future or having uh, talent prepared for the future and just these uh, top of the line facilities. I mean, I remember Seth Rollins was Seth Rollins was saying like back in the FCW days they didn't even have a bathroom; they were in a warehouse. So just to see what um, Triple H and the company's been able to do and really um, see a lot of stars in the company that at a time I didn't think were going to make it. So I think that's really been the um, um, I think that's what stuck out for me. Um, uh, this decade, but uh, I just have one question for you guys, and I'll let you go. Um, on a little bit more serious note, like I listened to the um, the New Day podcast with their names, um, and I thought it was great. I listened to it based on your guys' recommendation. But um, this question is mainly for Way, but I know John can chime in too. Like, if you were a superstar and they were trying to come up with a name for you or your faction, and like forty names, and like thirty of the names were like to do with your race, is that something that would like? kind of be a thorn in your side or bother you or something you just don't care about like how would you feel about that mm, how how much would it have to do with my race i suppose are you are you saying you know like my last name would be a chinese sounding name or or would it just be do you, do you have any examples you know, of the ones yeah. from the new day list because i i didn't see or hear the all the lists of the different names they were pitched yeah, so they were talking about like like they even talked about how racially charged a lot of it was like the Million Man March and like a lot of like power and a lot right. of like gospel stuff and Biggie even said as coming from the church I'm was a little uncomfortable with it but like yeah like Kofi definitely like was very open saying like man these are some really racially charged names and they weren't like they weren't outraged but I thought it was really interesting to them that they pointed it out because like if I was as me as a white guy like if they come up with forty ga- names for me like. Most likely, it's not going to have much to do with my race, but it seemed like a lot of them were racially charged. And yeah, I just wanted to get you like oh. that's something that would bother somebody. You know, if if like I I I was to lead a faction and and we'd be called the Great Wall or something like that, that that exactly. I think would would not be true to who I personally am. I've never been to the to Beijing or the Great Wall or, or anything like that. I have no connection to it, so I think it would I think it would be a bit insulting because it would be oversimplification or. Uh, somebody's assumption of I think who I'm supposed to be, uh, so I I I can definitely see why 
that would bother somebody because in the end you're you're talking about somebody's interpretation of you and in their oversimplification of who you are supposed to be rather than the person who you actually are um i i think at the same time you know if somebody were to call me like keith lee okay <laughs> Like if someone came up with it, you are the nickname, the Asian sensation. Okay, it's no, just that, that's just corny. That's it's just, just corny. But like you know, to ha- for me, for my character to have an Asian sounding name, there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Depends, I suppose, how like <laughs> how stereotypical that name might be. But if you were to give me the last name Lee because I look Chinese, that's that's fine. Like that's that's what about I am. if it's in the the the, the stereotypical font. That would really offend me. Like that font offends me. Period. No matter what, what uh, you see. The idea it's a small little box, and that's where. Well, let's get him his powder. Let's get him. He's got to be a ninja of some sort, and it's just the every trope you can imagine. Because these are not people of that ethnicity that are coming up with this, so they're looking at the the baseline observations. I think in the end, you're you're talking about what. In wrestling, you have to understand, especially in the WWE, they look at the raw material of the talent that they have, and they think about what the best way might be of translating that, you know, raw material to to be to be acceptable for a wider audience. And I think, unfortunately, maybe this just has to do with like the way wrestling history has been. Oftentimes, if you're dealing with somebody who is from a, a min- minority race or minority anything. That is usually pushed to the forefront, and you know it. It oftentimes, I think, results in various stereotypical gimmicks. Um, I would say, I think the New Day are really groundbreaking in that, like, they were able to convey themselves not just as a stereotype, but at the same time, not completely like, you know, distancing themselves from. I think what a very modern interpretation of urban culture might be. They've been able to present. A very modern take on an urban culture that is not like, you know, uh, crime time or or just, you know, whatever somebody else is like. They're not rappers or necessarily just athletes. They are like nerds and just kind of goofy, you know, um, uh, wrestlers who are really good wrestlers. But at the same time, just like they're fun in, in, in their own way. So I would love to see more of that sort of interpretation uh, for all minorities in, in, in the future or, or any sort of a. Uh, uh, underrepresented group. Yeah, yeah, they definitely um, they touched on a lot of the same things you guys touched on. Um, as always, thank you so much for taking my call. This has been uh, an amazing year post, and uh, hopefully, you guys get some rest and uh, talk to you in the new year. Thank, thank you. you, thank, thank you very much. Thank Paul. you as always for the feedback, Paul. Appreciate it. Oh, of course, thank you. Um, also, want to make mention that uh, AEW Dark on. Wednesday night, we had uh, Cole Cabana show up to do commentary with Excalibur, and they tape matches with uh, Brandon Cutler against Sammy Guevara, the Proud and Powerful against uh, Jack Evans and Angelico, as well as, what was it, say, four-way tag match with Private Party and the best friends involved, and then they did Sean Spears versus Joey Janela. But Colt is on every show, basically. That would be... This week, he would have been on three, three, three different companies from Friday to Wednesday. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if he'll be on NW Power this week, too, because that means he'll be on both yeah. Tuesday shows. Um, next week, he's uh, his opening round match is on the TV title tournament. Amazing. Yeah. So, t- two hours of cold. It's him in the question mark next week, I believe. Is that right? Okay. Yes. yes. I believe yes, they announced so that for next week. Yes. So he will be a lead-in for himself because Power will air, will stream an hour before dark. That man is everywhere. Where do you... He is... Man, if that... If, if it went over, he... like. Very close to Rick Rude territory there in the uh, the taped streaming world. 
I know. Back to the phone lines now, caller. You're in the cafe. What's going on? Hello, this is Gabe. I went to the Corpus Christi show last night. Oh, okay. Awesome. And, and, and it was awesome. I hadn't gone to a live showing since WrestleMania 25. And I dragged my wife and uh, my best friend. And they had a great time. They were even asking me if they were going to come back. It was so amazing. This is a... Uh... This you is know, the pattern we get of callers going to AEW shows. They have not gone to a wrestling show in years and years, and they've also dragged someone with them to go to this show. So you have you've continued the uh, the pattern. But uh, tell me a bit about uh, what the live experience was like, and who were some of the standouts that you enjoyed seeing? Well, I, I like everybody, but my wife really was into uh, Pentagon Junior. Okay, I mean she was chanting "Settle Me Yellow" all night. She like, <laughs> really loved it. That's Even awesome. this morning, you know, like she, we were just joking around, and she did it to me today, like out of nowhere. She's like, "Say wow. it, yeah, though." It, it was, it was awesome. Is your wife a fan usually? Like, this, how much did she know about the characters in AEW prior to going? Uh, not too much. She'll, she'll like read a book while I'm watching it. You know, we're in the same room, but we're not in the same room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she, there, she knows who they are, but she's never into it. In fact, we've gotten device because of my wrestling passion oh no but this time she was really into it and i was just surprised you know because so, most of the times when we've when we've gone to a uh wwe live uh event she's like can we go now and i was like okay let's just go so so it didn't necessarily you know, you know for her it wasn't necessarily getting caught up in the characters nor nor the story but more so maybe the live atmosphere and then maybe afterwards getting into the characters yeah, yeah, she she was asking me questions. I was feeling in between matches and all that stuff, but uh, it was it was great. I I, ho- I hope the audience was, like came across through the TV because my yeah. voice hurts from yelling. It really you know? did, uh, but it also came across as really flat at the very end of the show with the Dark Order angle. And how did that come across live to you? Yeah, nobody bit it. You know, we we saw all the TV all night, but. Um, like it was just, it was, it, like you said, it was flat, you know. But hopefully, they we just gotta wait and see where it goes. How about uh, some of the dark matches that we didn't get to see that'll air uh, next week? Was there anything there that uh, uh, I, left an impression? I recommend you watching next week, yeah, because uh, there were some comedy matches that mm-hmm. were real funny, and uh, there was a four corners tag team match. It was it was great. My wife was also drawn to uh, Santana. Okay. She's like, that guy's money. All right, Santana. Wow. All right. So Santana and All Pentagon right. well, Jr. are the guys. ones to uh, buy futures on. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot for the call and the uh, the live report. We appreciate you dialing in. No problem. Oops. Oops. Sorry, I hung up on you by accident. Man, but cut him off. Uh, let's go to B Detroit, who's calling in right now. B Detroit, what's on your mind? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, hey man. Hey, I just want to... Uh, couple things I want to get to. I want to be real quick here. Um, first off, I want to say congratulations to you guys and post wrestling, the whole family. Um, thank you. It's just been a, it's been a great ride with you guys. Uh, two years, my man. favorite wrestling friends. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So, uh, my first thing is kind of, it's kind of like a worldwide wrestling thing. I'm sick and tired of the waiting for the dive spots. <laughs> it's really killing me. It's really killing me. I mean, we had Roman dive on about 30 people Sunday. 
And then, like, the Young Bucks match, they just stood up and waited for uh, Scorpio Sky to do a beautiful tope. Don't get me wrong. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it just stood there for, like, five minutes. And it's like, it's getting it's getting out of hand. The dives are getting out of hand. This isn't, like, everybody. This is This is everything. I just can't do so many dives anymore. It's getting a little heavy-handed now. I, I definitely, like, can understand it. At the same time... Would you prefer a wrestling world without dives, or at oh, least with fewer not. dives? Like, because <laughs> it seems it seems like the reason why they do it so much is because it always gets a reaction, and I I really do feel like it's it's perhaps it's an occasional complaint, but I would say a pretty you know unpopular complaint that of all the things that wrestling fans complain about, it doesn't necessarily feel like too many dives is that it. The thing is, suicide dives though perhaps is we can maybe you know start to uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Big E is the one that's killing me with the suicide dives. Well, he's, he's, he's nearly killing himself at times with, with those. I, I think he's gotten a bit better at them now because there was the times he would just come down at that horrendous angle and your heart would be in your throat watching this guy do that. And he seems to do it a bit safer. And also a lot, He's he seems to be more selective of when he does that spot. I don't know if he'll be doing that like for 10 more years, man. We'll, we'll see yeah, at the end the, of this five-year contract. Looked, um, yeah, the way he looked Sunday when he hit the ground, I was like, oof, you just got to stop. You know, it's, it's got to end one of these times. And uh, another thing that's really getting me, um, usually AEW has been really good when it comes to uh, addressing their problems. And, like, if a fan compl- – we complain a lot. It was like a group sense if we all get sick or something. But Brandy Rhodes has got to stop. She she must be stopped. Um, this <laughs> Her angles are the only thing that I really see wrong with the product sometimes. I mean, along with the Dark Order sometimes, but – I'm not getting the hair thing and awesome Kong. It's like, uh, there's too many people trying to recruit right now. I mean, I know that's what everybody's thinking, but Brandy, yeah. you must be stopped. Is it a problem? Is it a problem with Brandy Rhodes uh, as a talent, or is it more so the character that you have an issue with? More so the character. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind her as a, just a regular valet uh, for Awesome Kong, you know. But the uh, the Nightmare Collective is not really rowing the boat for me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so put off by her as a performer at all. I think we got yeah. to see, especially in those in those road two settings. I thought she was very effective, especially that one she did about her childhood as a, as a competitive skater. And I was like, that was just phenomenal work from her. It was great. Yeah, it was uh, it's, great. It's but just this this character is such a far cry from that that I think that's the big difficult part. And it's it doesn't come across very convincing her in this role. It's such a departure from how she was presented from the initial portion and that she is an executive on the, on the show as well, that I think just all of that adds up and it's not, it's just not a great gimmick for, for me. A big problem is just how, how they got there. Like the transition period between her coming out with Randy uh, or uh, Cody as part of like just the nightmare family as a total baby face coming out with the dog as like a total baby face to just all of a sudden being this kind of like, you know, gothy manager for awesome con cutting hair was just, uh, I think I think a bit fumbled. I was actually curious to see if starting on last night's dynamite, they would start to consolidate some of these things because coming out of the night prior, the week prior, the weeks prior, uh, all the complaints about there being too many goth gimmicks to me, like a clear solution would have been to perhaps you know mix, put the butcher and the blade with the dark order, or perhaps kind of uh, uh, combine some of these 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 gimmicks. And I I do wonder if they'll still do that or just keep them separate. No, they multiplied Absolutely. at the end. We got more creepers than ever last no. night. So it's the yeah th- those if two had, those uh... two acts seem to be the ones that are uh, on the top of most people's list. Like it's pretty consistent. Yeah. If we had Awesome Kong, just, you know, she's got her own set of creepers. I would love that, actually, you know? 
Well, thank you so much, B Detroit. Appreciate the call. No problem at all. Um, you guys have a good one and happy holidays, guys. Same to you. Thank Thanks, you very man. much for thank the call. I don't know if I need to advocate for more creepers. I think we, we I think we got our our max on creepers, uh, as in <laughs> more than so one. So, yeah, that seemed to be. I, I think you take out that closing angle. Um, I was really strong on dynamite. I really enjoyed the show up until that closing angle, and I think that that you end a show on a low note like that, and I think that that dragged down a lot of people's opinion of the show as a whole that um yeah like I, I thought the jericho jungle boy thing was executed tremendously well that was very strong i i mean i i don't in hindsight i i feel like you know because the luster has kind of worn off of dynamite i'm I'm a lot more critical of it these days and i still feel like there are some real fundamental issues that they have with like presentation and character building but uh again we're only 11 12 weeks in into the whole experiment right so and I, I mean, it's it's pretty unanimous um, criticism towards this dark order angle. They have two weeks off now. How do they come back? And I mean, do they double down? This is they're presenting them as this main event group. Are they going to just continue forward or make adjustments? So that'll be something interesting to watch as they face this uh, criticism and how you measure praise and criticism and look for a balanced answer. Uh, coming up, we're going to try to uh, get Dominic Garini on, but uh, can you explain a little bit about why we're hoping to have him on? Yeah, so uh, for those that are familiar, uh, Dominic Garini, who's uh, been having a great year for uh, on the independent scene, working with MLW, GCW, uh, a lot of great companies out there. Uh, he'll be on Beyond Wrestling's Uncharted Territory tonight, um, but he uh, reached out to us and wanted to chat a bit about uh, Sunday's main event with the Kabuki Warriors against Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and sort of the handling of all of that. I know that there was a lot of discussion about how that went down and uh, Dominic's in an interesting position, not just as a wrestler, but someone that was also in a very similar position uh, this past summer in a match, in a tag match where there was a performer that suffered a concussion. So we wanted to get kind of his thoughts on the the performer side of this, what you do in the midst of uh, a match where you're live and what what you do on the fly. So uh, we're going to be connecting with uh, Dominic Greeny momentarily, and then we'll also be getting back to your phone calls. Again, we are looking for your thoughts on AEW and NXT from Wednesday night. If you have a particular story of the year, story of the decade that you're looking back on as we're in retrospective mode, uh, we'll be looking for that as well. And then everyone's favorite part of the week, when the ratings come out. So look forward to that uh, Wednesday, uh, about 4.15 p.m. when those numbers will be coming out. Uh, hopefully we have Dominic on. Dominic, are you there? Yes. Can you guys hear me? Awesome. Uh, awesome. We, have, we have connected with uh, Dominic Greeny. And uh, first of all, Dominic, it's, it's great to have you on the show. I uh, was really happy when you uh, reached out to us and that we were able to get you on so quickly today. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Like I, uh, like I was telling you last night, John, I've been listening to like the post podcast since I was like a stock boy in college, you know, stocking grocery shelves. Uh, you and Way have always kept me entertained uh, from there to my duty journey when I was on long road trips. Now to my wrestling journey on long road trips. Well, oh, I'm so awesome. glad that our voices have not uh, worn you out over the years. So it's, it's a great pleasure to have you on. And uh, I was talking just off the top there of kind of uh, the subject you wanted to delve into a bit, which was um, a main event from Sunday night's TLC pay-per-view and sort of just the handling of it involving uh, Kyrie Sane's you know, injury that she sustained in the midst of that match. Uh, going back to August, why don't you just set the table for us of a very similar situation uh, you found yourself in on the uh, the GCW show back in August? 
Yeah, so back in August, uh, it was myself and my tag team partner, Kevin Koo, and we were taking on Tom Lawler and Eric Stevens um, at GCW, Black Label Pro, Two Cups stuff. Um, we thought we'd had a, like, a pretty good match called out, and we got through the beginning portion of the match, and we got to our cutoff uh, segment of it, where Eric took a um, he took a blow to the head, and when it happened, no one really knew that Eric was out of it. Like even to this, like to the point, like he tweeted out the other day when we were talking about it. Uh, I gave him a butterfly suplex at one point, not knowing anything's wrong. He's firing back, and then out of nowhere, I tag out, and referee Bryce Rumsberg comes over to me. And he goes, hey, he goes, Eric is out. He goes, you guys have to change everything. Because the finish we had had lined up for the match was on Eric. So it was kind of a a moment of realization for Kevin, myself, and Tom of, man, we had to really change courses to what we had because we we were probably five minutes into the match and had another seven to go. Right. And, you know, I'm sure as, you know, someone like you that is, you know, relatively new to the industry, it's, you know, a couple of years wrestling at this point, uh, there's obviously going to be a certain level of panic that sets in. And then once that subsides, kind of figuring out and that is, you know, that's something that's only going to come with experience. So how do you kind of navigate that as you're processing this in real time in front of a crowd and you also have to work in concert with three other people that are, all trying to get to the same finish line, and suddenly the roadmap has been switched. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, first and foremost, the thing I think the three of us and Bryce at that point, you know, we were all most worried about Eric to make sure that Eric's safety was, you know, the most paramount. And then from that point, it was kind of like, okay, well, where do we get where we're going? Um, We knew that the finish had to be, you know, Kevin and myself up. And it was interesting because, we had to finish on Eric because, you know, Tom's been a, pr- a pretty wide regular at this point for Black Label. So we didn't really want to pin Tom, but, you know, it was one of the things where we had to call the audible mid-match and go to it. Uh, we did a completely different finish than what we do for most normal matches. And it was to the point where it was interesting, though, because a lot of people that I talked to didn't even realize that uh, anything was wrong because we covered it up, you know, pretty well for, for most people. But, you know, smarter people within the, in the, within the industry knew like, Hey, this is like something happened here. Eric got tagged out and then never came back and I was off the back. So. And, and how did you communicate all of this in the body of this match? Man, do you know, uh, really the MVP of everything in this was the referee Bryce Remsburg, uh, who, you know, he was able to get the message to Kevin and I to say, Hey, I'm not going to let Eric back in this match. Um, And then from there, it was just kind of, you know, Kevin and I talking with Tom and, you know, kind of, you know, slowing down for a second, working a little bit more heat and kind of talking during the time to figure out what we wanted to go to and where we wanted to go. And, you know, when when you're looking at this situation kind of removed from your own situation, you know, I I always look at that performers are always going to have the mentality of like, we just, we have to get through this. We have to get to the finish. Is that kind of still the the prevalent mentality versus, you know, a guy, a guy is hurt here and maybe, maybe the match does become secondary at that point to making sure that things do not get worse with, with Eric or in the case of Kyrie Sane. Yeah. And then that was the most important thing. The most important thing that, you know, Chev and I and Tom and Bryce wanted to do at that point was make sure Eric stayed out of the match, you know, and he didn't get back in at all. 
so there was nothing else that, you know, any more damage that could be done. I think you look into maybe Sunday and you look at that uh, that situation on Sunday with Kyrie where the referee or somebody should have gotten the message down to say, hey, don't hit her, keep her out of the match, like something's not right. And, like, that's the main thing for was the main thing for us in that situation. I mean, I look at that show and there were 700 people there. It was one of the bigger crowds I'll probably be in front of this year. And, uh, you know, they were hot for everything. But, you know, like I said, it's one of those consequent things. And the most important thing is, you know, we look at a guy like Eric who has, you know, kids and, you know, a real life. And it was more of like, let's make sure this guy's fine. And the match was secondary to Eric's help at that point. In talking about Kyrie Sane, you know, um, I I, I do wonder, you know, of course, like, language is certainly... um, um, hasn't been seemingly that much of an issue with any of her in-ring performances. But, like, you do wonder, in a situation like that where you're supposed to almost, like, talk in code in such a secretive fashion, having to, be, you know, communicate something as severe as, like, a, a concussion and what to do about it after the fact, it does make you wonder if Kyrie's language barrier might have had, had any in, uh, effect on how quickly that message was, was conveyed. Have, have you had any experience perhaps in a similar situation where, you know, you might have been working with somebody who, who um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, didn't necessarily speak the same language as you? How would you get in yourselves into kind of like a, a proper communication while still trying to maintain, I guess, the illusion that nothing was wrong? Uh, I Really, I've gotten a weird stroke that like I haven't had to have call a match yet with someone that doesn't speak, uh, you know, English with me. Um, but in the situation that if that were to occur, it's one of those things where you've got to be able to read that body language. You've got to be able to read when someone's concussed, you can usually read it in their eyes. Um, and of course, you know, my combat sports background before pro wrestling helped me with stuff like that. I also coached amateur wrestling for years and high school football for a few years. So I can read body language, like read the like the eyes very well. And, you know, you know when you give a move if something's a little off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really know. I don't think anybody knows what exactly Kyrie got hurt on on Sunday. Uh, whether it was like that weird monitor throw incident, or it was like the exploder into the in, like into the rail. I don't know what it was, but after one of those things, one of the biggest things that I always know is I more like if I'm doing something that might involve a head type drop. I always check on the opponent before I go to the next move or I make sure the ref is going to check on the opponent. Um, Things like that are are something that, you know, you hope would help in a situation of if someone was concussed, they would be able to convey that to the ref or if they weren't able to convey it to the ref, the ref being that third party could see and say, oh man, something's wrong. Because in the situation of, of that match with Eric, Bryce was probably the most important tool of being able to kind of convey to all three of us like, hey, something's messed up here. I'm curious to know, like, uh, you know, in the promotions that you've wrestled in, how much kind of protocol has been discussed with you prior to wrestling your matches. And I'm assuming it's different everywhere. But uh, if you can kind of give us a glimpse into what the if there is any process at all and what that process might be. So there's not really like a super big process at this point. I still think like concussion protocol, while it's getting better, especially like in bigger companies, you know, at the independent level, it's kind of like a Wild Wild West type thing. Like, if you're with your, you know, like you're in the middle of a match, you kind of got to please yourselves. And then if you have a good referee, like, I like once again, I'll, I'll put over Bryce uh, as being like a good referee that, that resets that up. Uh, Jay Clemens, who's been doing a lot of refereeing for WWN and Evolve, and uh, he was one of the first referees I ever worked with in the Cleveland area at AIW. Uh, he's great. 
uh, it's like I said, I think a ref is like the, the key, especially in these situations, to be able to read a situation and say, man, something's wrong, something's messed up. Um, and then, like I said, it comes down to like you guys, like the boys themselves, like something's not right here, whether they're heavier, whether they're not feeding where they need to be, whether they're completely lost, you know, things like that. Because like the Eric thing, while that's the more known incident, uh, I think like my sixth or seventh match ever, I was in a fifth man match. And one of the fellow AIW students got knocked out in the middle of the match. And I was one of the only ones that really noticed it. But he wouldn't leave the match, and everybody kept running spots on him. And at the end of the match, I kind of put everybody down. I was like, we all knew that this guy was messed up. Like, why are we still running spots on him? Why are we not making sure he's out? Wow. And it was one of those – it was a really big learning experience, I think, for everybody in that match that night. Even in you know the, the years that you have been doing this consistently, have you seen a progression because – you know, we go back 10 years ago or so, it's still almost like this badge of honor that you can just work through a concussion or just come back immediately. And I, I think of the younger generation as we're continuing to learn more and more, it's it's much less of that mentality. It seems that, that head injuries are being treated with the severity that they should be. Are, are you sensing that among especially some of the younger wrestlers that you're out there with? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think concussions are, are more widely known now as just not something of like, hey, I got one, let me move on. Like, clearly, like, and not only is it, I think, the, like, the, the wrestlers noticed it, I think the fans noticed it. Like, yes. mm-hmm. if you see an unprotected chair shot, the fans aren't like they were in 2002 where they're cheering it. They're actually, they actually cringe, and it'll take, you, it'll take some fans out of a match if they see, like, an unprotected chair shot. Um, when it comes to the boys, I definitely think that, like, wrestlers now know like your brain's an important tool and you need to protect it at, you know, at all costs, you only get one shot at this. Uh, mm. And I think a lot of wrestlers need to understand that like as awesome as wrestling is for us, a lot of us are still going to have to go to our day jobs come Monday. So I think more are starting to realize like, Hey, I still have to go to work come Monday because as awesome as pro wrestling is, it doesn't pay my bills until I, you know, sign with one of the big companies. Where would you like to see sort of like the evolution of this entire discussion end up um, in the near future? Like John and I have proposed in a situation like this, do you simply end the match? You know, and in some cases, if you can't go to the finish, do you simply just call it and say, hey, performer's injured. This is not happening. Like in any other sport, if, if something like this were to occur, where, where would you like to see it end up? I think there's I think there's a few steps to it. One, I think that referees should probably have to be licensed through state athletic commissions, um, where they have to go through some sort of concussion training once a year, um, and have like have a license of some sorts, um, mainly so that they can, you know, police and make sure like they have to go through a course where they can tell the symptoms of a concussion and things like that. Because I know when I was coaching, you know, amateur football or high school football, you know, you know, in America, they made all the coaches take concussion courses so that you could tell like, Hey, if like one of the kids has a concussion, this is what you do. So I think that's one of the first steps Two, I really think that it comes down to if someone has a bad concussion or, you know, a concussion in general, any kind of head injury, the match needs to be stopped in terms of, you know, if it's like in our case, it was a tag match, so we could get around it. But if it was a singles match and, you know, Eric was in the way he was, and you can't get to a finish, you know, throw the X up and we move on. Um, because once again, you know, these are real lives that we deal with and brain injuries at this point are something that we have so much more research on now than we had even five years ago. 
Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point that sometimes gets gets overlooked from the outside, and that is just how critical the role of the referee is if things go sideways, and that you know we're we're much past a point where it can just be you know uh, a third guy in the back that suddenly we're gonna throw the stripes on to be the third man in the ring. Like that is someone that you yourself, Dominic, are dependent on. If if something goes wrong, that they may have to be your lifeline out there. Is that something that you feel that there is a a quality control out there of referees that are equipped for these situations that they have to be prepared for. Um, I, you know, I'm blessed that a lot of the referees that I work with, you know, have, have gone through a lot and, you know, are very experienced. Um, like we just have a new referee at AIW. He actually went through our entire training, uh, course to be a wrestler in about, mm, I would say a year and figure out that wrestling, which wasn't going to be for him. Uh, so he decided to become, you know, a referee and, and he's pretty cognizant of, you know, the risks uh, involved in wrestling, knows how to read body language, things like that. But I mean, I've definitely been in the ring with referees that don't know what they're doing and would have no clue what a concussion looked like, which I mean, from a certain, you know, perspective, that does scare me. Yeah. You know, very much so. Um. I wanted to also, uh, while we while we've got you, just uh, as we're winding out the year here, uh, you, you've had quite the year the, this past year, just with all the different companies you've been working with. Uh, you're going to be on. Uh, you've been a regular uh, with Beyond Wrestling. They've got Uncharted Territory airing tonight. IndependentWrestling.tv, and you know, with, with that exposure, uh, being a regular now on MLW Fusion, uh, what has that been like? As opposed to, you know, you're on plenty of shows that they have live streaming. Being in a format where it's now broadcast for an audience in a time slot, what's what's that kind of learning curve been like this year? Um, that learning curve—it's actually different amongst both brands. Um, you know, with with Beyond, it's it's a lot of like you know your normal how you work a normal indie. I mean, uh, one of the big things that Drew does at Beyond um, is re- definitely like hitting times is, is a big thing that mm-hmm. you know you do your local indie, and if you're having a really good match and you're feeling it, you know you might go five minutes over. And clearly, you know with Uncharted, they have a time limit. They want to have these shows done, you know, within a digestible hour. So you know they're very you know precise on times. Um, as well, you know, with like right now with what we're doing with like Kevin, myself, and uh, you know Chuck, Chuck O'Neill, and Larry Legend, you know, not every match needs to be like five star blow away match. Like sometimes, like we're learning how to tell stories, which sometimes doesn't happen on the normal independent scene. Like the story we have right now with Team Kazuzu is, is a long arching story that's been you know months in the making, and now you know they've introduced Kevin and I to it. So it's been it's been different to adjust to like longer storytelling because a lot of you know indies you know you're coming in you're doing one off and you're getting out. Um, on their hand, like MLW is a completely different you know thing from what I've learned because it's legitimate TV. Uh, we're timed out. We're, we have agents on each match. It's a completely different style. Um, they definitely are more into working the cameras than you would be on a normal indie because when you're when you're on a normal indie, like one of the things that Johnny and Candace taught me when they trained me was when you're on a normal indie, you know, you're working for the crowd unless for, you know, the home. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you know, when I'm doing MLW, I'm working for that crowd. I'm working for the home audience because while we have, you know, the tapings those nights, you know, the fusion taping, most of our, like a larger portion of viewership comes from, you know, fusion on, you know, either YouTube or BN. So learning how to work cameras, learning how to, uh, 
just kind of command, you know, a television product is completely different. So it, it's been something I really welcomed over the last, you know, couple months since I've uh, joined MLW. You mentioned uh, Johnny and Candice. I'm curious, you know, we've been talking to a lot of uh, listeners uh, towards the end of the year about kind of like where they're at in terms of their wrestling viewership. For somebody like yourself who's actually, you know, participating in creating a lot of this uh, wrestling content, what what do you watch on a, on a weekly basis? Uh, on a weekly basis, um, I'm not going to lie, I don't really have the time to watch Raw or SmackDown. Usually Fridays are spent at some sort of booking of some sort. Mondays I spend, uh, I have a normal day job that I run until about, you know, five o'clock and then I do jujitsu every Monday or I'm hitting the gym. So I don't do as much of that. I'm more of like a, like a pick as I can go type thing. Like I actually did watch all of NXT last night because I had the opportunity to, um, obviously I try to consume as much of the shows that I'm on. And then of course, uh, one thing that I, I really like to do is kind of consume guys that I like to study guys that are helping me out in my wrestling style go back. Um, I was really raised, like, my wrestling fandom comes from the, like, mid-2000 Indies, uh, 2004 and on ROH and mm-hmm. things like that. So I go back and I watch a lot of that stuff for tapes. Um, I, I'm really into a lot of the British wrestling scene right now. Uh, I just got done with WX. I just did a tour of WXW in October, and that was awesome. Uh, so I follow a lot of that stuff, um, WXW, um, Progress. Riptide, things like that as well. Do you go back a lot and stuff that you're watching? Because to me, if if I was in your shoes, to me, one of the biggest struggles would be how do I differentiate myself? And I think you've done a really great job of it, just with your, your attire and just having something that's very distinct to Dominic Garini. Are you going back and seeing things where wow, nobody is doing this? That would be something cool that I could incorporate, and it's just going to be another another thing that differentiates me from the pack that stands out. Yeah, that's that's kind of always one of my things. Um, when I'll, I'll reference back to Johnny and Candice, when I first started training, um, I always like to say because I've, I've taken a very active role at the IW Wrestling Academy. I'm one of the co-trainers there, and um, I, I always like to say every kid that comes in wrestling school has a completely different idea than what they're gonna be. Like I really thought I was gonna be like a like the second coming of Kevin Steen, uh, and then clearly like Chandler Biggins, John Thorne, and Johnny and Candice were like, no, 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 you're like MMA hybrid guy, and then. You know, I talked with Johnny and Candice and Thorne, and they all said, hey, like, find a way to mix your jiu-jitsu in. So then I kind of was like, well, how do I do this? And, like, when I was first coming to pro wrestling, Matt Riddle was really coming on. So I was like, well, I need to differentiate myself from Matt. Um, and so my biggest idea was do, doing more modern-based, like, um, sports type moves, you know, studying guys like the Mendez brothers, uh, Keenan Cornelius, finding how to take, you know, their jiu-jitsu that looks really cool when done, you know, in not the 10 minute long black belt matches you see like the world, but like their highlight videos, like you watch the Menace Brothers highlight video, it's like hypnotizing the way they pass guard and the way they're able to sweep and submit guys. So it's finding a way to turn that stuff in. And then I like to go back and study a lot of like older Samoa Joe and Brian Danielson stuff because they were doing a lot of this stuff before it was really in vogue and like before anybody knew what was going on. Um, and actually one of the other guys that did, a lot of like really early based MMA stuff um, before anybody knew was like the Undertaker and Kurt Angle. Like they were doing like triangle spots on SmackDown in 2002. So it was one of those things that I, I try to go back and find stuff like that, you know, stuff that's over 10, over 10, 15 years old now and bring that into the forefront. Like uh, one of, one of our young kids at the IW Academy just posted on Twitter today that the first pay-per-view he ever watched was Royal Rumble 2010. And man, that makes me feel old, but it's also like, man, if 
this is like a new wrestling kid who's like just into wrestling. Like, what have like some of these newer younger fans not seen? I, yeah, I had the same feeling on that Rhea Ripley video package this week where oh, on Prime oh, Target. So She's like, I got oh into it God. as a kid watching Triple H and Ric Flair at Survivor Series 2005. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, you know what? I was watching that. I was watching that match last night with my sister, and I brought that point up of like, wow. I was like, I, I'm only 29 and she's 23, and I, I don't feel that old, but I've been watching wrestling and consuming wrestling for that much longer. That's amazing. Um, I'd be remiss. Uh, uh, one match that me and Way were live for this year was at Bloodsport, and please tell me about getting to do a match with Phil Baroni. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> also, um, you know what? When Brett from GCB told me it was going to be me and Phil, I was beyond excited. I have watched Phil Baroni highlights like when I was in high school, like I was on a high school wrestling team. Me and my buddy Shannon, who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu now, we would watch this certain uh, Phil Baroni highlight done by a Genghis Khan set to George Thorogood and the Destroyers. And yes. when I told my, my, my coach Shannon, I was like, man, I'm like, I get to, I get to wrestle Phil Baroni. Like, we thought it was so cool. And uh, then I met him, and it kind of all went downhill from there. Oh. Uh, I, did, I did a whole hour-long podcast on kind of like the days leading up to this. Um, it's, uh, it's some friends of mine in the Cleveland area. They, they, their show is called Pot Dan Dam. And uh, I, 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 I pretty much talked about it all, but like I knew I was screwed, and I knew it was, it was going to be an uphill battle from the point where Josh Barnett put us all in a, a, a big group chat, and he's and Phil Baroni just talked about how he wanted to wear one boxer glove to the Derek Jimerson thing, and then how he was going to you know do body slams, and he wanted to do figure four leg locks, and I was like, oh no, I was like he's got no clue, and then oh. the day came, and he did have his gear with him, and. It just it was just a mess and it just became more of a mess from there. That that's unfortunate. It's uh you know, I, I think with with that specialized of a show, it's like when you're bringing in a Phil Baroni, it's it's really he's either gonna get it or he's not gonna get it. So I guess unfortunate for you that it was not someone that was, you know, fully understanding of what blood sport is and all the cool stuff you, you can get with with a show like that. Yeah. No, sadly, Phil. I think Phil just thought it was another day in the office wrestling, like like a pro wrestling style match, and he just kind of didn't get it. And you know, we kind of made it work the best that we could. And on, on such a great card, that Bloodsport WrestleMania weekend is is one of the better cards of you know WrestleMania this year. Mm-hmm. We were definitely kind of like the the weakest match of the bunch. Uh, us up there with the Severn Frank Mir match, which I, I don't know if Frank necessarily got it either at that point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean. I, I'll be remiss if I didn't say that that match didn't make me go out that night at AIW and do entirely more crazy stuff than I should have done because I wanted to make up for it. <laughs> well, uh, Dominic, it was great to have you on. Lo- would love to have you back on sometime uh, to chat further. It was uh, great to you know have you on the show for the first time. Uh, is there anything you'd like to uh, throw out there for our audience? I know uh, they can catch you tonight on Uncharted Territory, and you seem to be a, a very, very busy individual at the moment. Yes, um... We have uh, we have Uncharted Territory tonight, um, and then if you're not a member of IndependentWrestling.tv, you can join 20 Days Free with our promo code Kevin and I's Violence. Uh, that gets you 20 Days Free. Um, from there, um, I have AIW come our Southern Underground Pro on Saturday, so it's in the national area right there. Next next Thursday, I'm back at Uncharted Territory. Next Friday, AIW, we are live on Fight TV, 
Tuchel Scorpio is on the card. ICP will be in the house, so that's going to be uh, something wild. And then uh, January 11th, I will be in Dallas with MLW for Zero Hour. Um, really excited to go to Dallas again. Last time we were there for War Chamber, it was crazy. Uh, the Von Erics are still gods down there. No, that that's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, uh, that Too Cold Scorpio show from AIW looks like uh, a lot of fun. One of the, one of the better names uh, for for an independent show uh, this year. And the, I, uh, I, I also I heard a on the show names. Yes, they're very good. I also heard a rumor that uh, there's an elusive wrestling book out there by Gary Hart, and I understand you may have uh, possession of this this very elusive book among wrestling fans. I, I do. Mr. Bauer gave it to uh, all the MLW staff as Christmas gifts. So I have it on my phone. And uh, once I'm about to get a new iPad, once I get a new iPad, I will start reading it because I've heard nothing but great things about this version of the Gary Hart book because from a court told me this is the, like, the one that Gary loved. So Yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal book if you have a chance to uh, to – Get a copy of it. Uh, definitely well worth the read. Uh, I think I think you'll love it, Dominic. So thank you again so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we'll definitely do this again in the future. And uh, all the best going forward. This has been a really great year for you. And it was great to uh, catch up with you for a bit today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hope, uh, hope to do it again in the future. And uh, we'll be in touch. For sure. Thank you so much, Dominic. Take yep. care. Talk to you guys later. All right. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter, uh, DGarinibc. And yeah, it's great, great to chat with him for the... Uh, the first time that was really cool yeah that was really really damn cool so helpful to get like that kind of insight as well like in yes. the midst of these matches and you know sometimes it like it sounds simplistic but it's you know especially oh. in a in a situation like that on an independent show and it's a it's a big show and what you do in that scenario and i i still maintain like that is the mentality that you finish the match and listen when you're seeing the top company um and a situation like taker and goldberg and it's still we power through like that's mm-hmm. that becomes like the the example that you know a lot of men and women are gonna have in matches and you know you also especially on an independent level want to give those fans a show and I, I think that that's still a progress that we're starting to see i think more more and more Let's go back to the phone lines. We'll be taking your calls all the way up until we get the AEW NXT numbers this week. And we start off with Jake. Jake from the Windy City. What's up? Hey, gentlemen. Good to talk to you again. Uh, speaking on my new Blue Yeti uh, that, I, that I just got earlier today. Oh. How do I sound right now? Congratulations, Sounds Jake. Uh, as if you're sitting right here with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually um, I'm actually trying to save money for those SM7Bs that you guys have as well. So uh, hopefully it's a good bargain for those. <laughs> They are a classic mic, so uh, I would recommend them, yeah. All right, definitely. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, actually, I might want to make two points uh, here. Um, you know, uh, I actually got a chance to uh, read The Observer uh, last week, and I know, John, I asked you uh, a couple months ago on Ask Away about uh, your uh, your Observer uh, Hall of Fame picks, and uh, I, I actually, um, I'm actually intrigued on um, uh, this year's inductees. I'm, I'm really... Um, uh, I'm really happy that Gato made it this year, considering uh, made it to the Hall of Fame this year, considering uh, how influential uh, he was uh, in New Japan over the past couple of years. I just want to get your thoughts uh, quickly. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't surprised that he went in this year. Um, I think when when you look at the, this decade, like he's obviously going in as a booker and not as a as a wrestler, but someone that I I, I wasn't surprised at all that he got the support he did for the first year in, and I think among among bookers like. Uh, tell me who's had the success for this decade more so th- than ghetto so yeah gets in on his first try and i think that it was uh, more than warranted 
Yeah, Altimo Guerrero and Jim Crockett Sr. looks very good picks, very good uh, picks for the inductees of this year. So, uh, yeah, a great, great class at this year, I would say. Um, and also, uh, my second point, so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Russell Kingdom. I'm actually on uh, that weekend, uh, thankfully, uh, I got the weekend off, and uh, we're going to have a uh, in my college dorm, we're gonna, um, we're gonna, I'm gonna have a couple buddies uh, in my dorm to uh, stay up all nights uh, to see uh, the upcoming, uh, the upcoming cards, uh, both of them, and I'm uh, really excited for the cards. So, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's awesome that you guys are going to Japan uh, this year because it looks like it's gonna be a good card. Yeah, I, th- I think both cards have you know a lot of uh, a lo- lot of strengths to them as well, along with uh, the New Year's Dash card. So, yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be weird to be watching these shows at like a normal time for us in Japan as opposed to three in the morning and, and two three, yeah. and two of them. You know, like I, I'm I'm curious about maybe situations like yours, Jake, because like I know there are probably people that will like make the time to watch Wrestle Kingdom live, but doing it two days in a row will that will that really kind of affect any interest? Um, I guess we shall see. Is it uh, is it known that do you guys think that this should be a permanent thing going forward with the two cards? Oh well, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, just uh, one, we'll just see how they'll, this goes. They'll announce oh. it January fifth or fourth. Yeah. yeah, I mean the 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 benefit this year to try it is that January fourth and fifth is a Saturday and Sunday, so you're yeah. not always going to land on those dates. So that becomes a little tricky. But I would say that. You know, if the attendance is strong, which it seems like both shows are selling very, very well, that I, th- I would still try it again next year. And if one night doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I would, I would be open to the idea of trying it again, even if the the days don't line up great uh, next year in terms of nights of the week. Okay, that's it's pretty cool. Um, one question about Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, yeah, looking forward to what well, they have announced uh, if Jericho's Jericho and Tanahashi are officially. Oh, well, actually, yeah, Jericho and Tanahashi yeah, are. Yeah. Night- Two right. Oh yeah, night two and uh, Moxley and Lance Archer are going to be on on night one. Uh, the Texas Death Match is going to be pretty interesting, uh, I got to say. But I actually want to ask you um, an unlikely, uh, likely question here. Uh, do you guys think that Moxley, uh, either Moxley or Jericho, will continue to make appearances for New Japan in the year twenty twenty? Thank yeah. you, Jake. Thank you for for the call. I do. I think that there's uh, a good chance that um, either or both could continue to. Drop in sporadically. Now, I, I agree with you. Do you think they will get any meaningful wins in throughout the, these runs? Because I don't see either one winning at Wrestle Kingdom. And, you know, if they are going to be contracted performers or co- performers that only drop in once in a while, it, it is a little bit tougher for me to see, like, Jericho, you know, getting a strong win over so- somebody when you ultimately know that the other person is going to come up on top. Wins, yes. Meaningful ones, like for, for the dome, I would I would look at a strong possibility of Moxley beating Archer and then losing the match to Juice. That was the original match for King of Pro Wrestling. Yes. So I mean, win, yes, but doesn't come out with the title. With Jericho, it's tougher because it's it's not cheap for them to book him, and if he's only coming over to lose, you can only do that for so many times and run through all the big names, and Tanahashi is kind of the latest one there. You've done Okada, you've done Naito, and who else is left? Yeah, like, you always have people. You you could do Jericho and Ibushi, you could do Jericho and whoever. Minoru Suzuki, yeah. Yeah, like, there's those options, but I think if you're going to be paying what it costs to bring him, you do need, he does need some wins every now and then, and... 
I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Tanahashi wins. Like they've been doing like this this long kind of is Tanahashi still at the top of his game story, and he's been faltering. The idea of losing to Jericho to me is not crazy. Um, but that again, that more so goes to the point of what do they have planned for Jericho beyond? Because if they have another plan for him, maybe he beats Tanahashi. Also makes you wonder, you know, who else New Japan might have their eye on as far as, you know, foreign talent that they could bring in on a special case by case basis like they have rather than relying on two AEW full time talents. Yeah, that's you know, there's there's going to be a, a certain level of like diminishing returns if if it's if someone especially if, if that if they have to tour with them in the US, you know, somebody that that they, that they could count on on a more kind of full time basis. Yeah. You know, back to the phone lines. Caller, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? It's MJ. MJ, you finally got in. What's going on? I, I'm in, and it's too cold to be outside, so no, no background noise today. Wonderful. What's on your mind? If I, um, well, a couple of things, but I did want to. So I run this the post fantasy football league in the forum, and I never gave an update to you guys or anybody, but we're in the finals, so I want to oh. give a shout out to the people who made it. Yes, please. So we got Will. I want to butcher his last name, but he goes by like. Will Easy on in the forum, Will Marchin, I believe. Okay. And Rob Brancy, they were kind of co-owners. Um, so they're a team, a little bit of the bubbly. And they're versus Brandon from Oshawa's brother, who's Team Canadian Destroyers, who became quite the heel of the league. And if anyone's gone and checked in the like the forum on the post, uh, there was some great drama. There was an incredible video submitted by Brother Nate, who cut an absolutely, like, a gem of a promo. I recommend to go watch it if you oh, haven't wow. already. A video? Wow, um, so, okay. I, I didn't know so there was so much a, uh, so much drama going on in this thread. It was, some say that it was better booked than, like, the latter half of the year for WWE. It was a good creative. You created a few stars here and there? Gauntlet match? Yeah, I think finish? so. I think we got some guys over. Um, but that actually brings me to two other things I wanted to kind of touch on real quick people who don't like the dark order or people who are not into kind of what Brandy's doing, I get it, but they're trying, which is way more than could be said. And like, John, I don't want to set you off on this again, but we spent an hour on Monday night watching a gauntlet match with no finish. Oh yeah. There wasn't a finish. Who did that, that match, make? Was there? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, go ahead. You're, you're, you're suggesting that at least they're trying to tell stories, by the way, is there something on in the background and on your, uh, thing there or is it is that just the sound of new york uh no it, it actually maybe you guys if the youtube is still on oh if you don't mind just shutting that off okay. no it should be better now all right um well I, i'd say about the dark order um i will not dispute there is um we shouldn't be handing out awards simply for people trying though you know not at this stage like MJ, when there's so much other wrestling to choose from, like, and especially I think if you're AEW, who've been trying to champion that you are going to be, you know, a bit of a re- revolution and a bit of a renaissance in professional wrestling, I think at the very least I would expect. What, how about this, story. MJ? What what is the best case scenario of where the Dark Order ends up? Like, is this is this a main event act? Is this are Evil Uno and Stu Grayson going to be uh, pillars of your company in 2020? If suddenly the audience just gets behind this and they and they love this Dark Order, what what is the ceiling for the Dark Order? The ceiling of the Dark Order should be a battle, uh, a match beyond type scenario with the Elite or with any other faction, where they serve as a good mid card or main event program but for a one-off pay-per-view as a heel faction and after that they go back to the mid-card as a tag team and they maybe develop some guys in the stable where at least guys have something to do and they're not just kind of miscasted 
as bit players or the 24-7 division. I mean, that's ideally, yes. But can you get there with uh, Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds? Like, it, I, I, I think in the end that would be sound great, but they have such a long ways to go in getting the Dark Order up until to that standard where they could headline a show. I, I would say, like, some of the recent videos, I, th- I think, you know, it's, uh, they, they've been hit and miss, but I think that overall, the kind of going the, the cult direction with the, the, the subway spot, they, they were met, I think, with a bit more positivity. I ultimately come down to, I, I think it's like a really lame gimmick and that, we could create a group that doesn't have the creepers that you could take the exact same bodies and present in a different way that uh, could have some staying power as a top heel group. I don't think most take this seriously. I think this is a visual that it's automatic tune out effect. And I think that's, and I think it's been met with pretty much universal condemnation that the dark order in this role, it's just, You've got a top group in the inner circle. I would much rather that we be booking, you know, our match beyond with your top heel group that you already have at this point. So I, I just think it's it's a very difficult sell for a lot of people on the dark order, and it just doesn't appear to be something to me that, as you said, at best, I think this is ultimately a mid card act, which I'm fine with having a part on the show. Once it's your your main event act, I think that's where you're going to get more of the pushback. Yeah, it's totally fair criticism. I, I think that they do need to be given time to see what happens with it, and it doesn't help when just people are completely trashing the effort. I'm not suggesting we give out participation trophies, but I am looking at what other companies are trying to do and saying, well, at least they're trying something. Maybe that something's not very well, well, good. Well, hold on here. WWE, uh, like, say what you will about Raw. There are absolutely people they are trying to get over on, on Raw. It's not been super successful, but you can see that there are people that they have plans for, that they are trying uh, to build up. And it's, I mean, ultimately, the goal of getting over is getting over with your audience. And I I would say that, you know, Dark Order is someone that they are trying to get over. And your audience is giving you a pretty clear message at this point. So uh, it's either going to be that, you know, wait and see, maybe this thing is going to pan out, or you cut your losses. So I think that, yes, you know, creating stars, every company is going to attempt to do it and others are going to have more success than others. And that's, um, I, I can't just look at WWE and say like, there's no effort there that they are not trying to get certain acts over. They're trying, but with no success, there's no tra- there, There's a long history of failed attempts. Whereas I do have to look at what the elite has been able to do over the last few years. I mean, they've had success at getting groups and getting gimmicks and getting bits over. Look at guys like, I mean, last night, Jungle Boy. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. some things will hit and some things won't hit. I'm just suggesting that you if you got to let things have a chance to grow opposed to just immediately casting it off. And I understand that the visual of it is like tune-out effect. I don't think this is immediate, though. The Dark Order has been around for several weeks uh, since the AEW's inception, even before that. And I think the, this criticism has been pretty standard like throughout the almost the entire run. Um, yes, they're starting a new storyline, but I feel like the overall concerns are that it's just a gimmick that is a little too maybe outdated, a little too corny. And I, I even throughout the, the, the popularity of, of the vignettes, which have been an improvement, I don't know if the corniness has really been addressed all that much. So anyway, MJ, thank you for the call. We, uh, we hey, can I leave you guys with a positive? Yes, yes. please. 
All right, so I want to flip it to the positive real quick because I've been thinking about the end of the decade stuff, and maybe you guys can do this on your best of. Guys who are universally beloved by, let's say, 90% of the wrestling community at some point in time during the decade. I got CM Punk around the Pipe Bomb era. I got AJ Styles after he left Impact and did the ROH New Japan run. And I have Will Ospreay 2019. Do you guys want to add any to that list? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, All right, MJ. Thanks a lot for the call, MJ. University loved wrestlers. I mean, I guess we're talking about wrestlers in particular with like the internet audience, I'm assuming, or like the hardcore fan base that I would say no one is universally loved or because it's go Okada, you know, perhaps like it's hard to find a, somebody who doesn't like who's not a fan of his. I think Kenny is definitely like, you know, polarizing can be polarizing. So was Will Ospreay for a long time. I think it's this past year that yeah. I think even his ardent detractors kind of realized this is. Mm-hmm. At worst, the number three best wrestler in the world, if right. not number one. Right. Um, like Brian, Brian Danielson, uh, certainly someone yeah. that comes to mind. Um, you know, if, if you are someone from that uh, the the ROH glory period, that that's some great cred that you bring with you for the rest of your career. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Back to the phone lines now for as long as we can. Uh, caller, you're in the cafe. What's up? Hello, caller? Can you hear us? Going once. Are you there, my man? Going twice. Come on. Hey, 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 John. Wait, how you doing? You just made it. Who is this? Um, this is Will from Austin. How are you? Hey, Hi, Will. Hey, what's going on? Not much. Um, I'm just calling because um, I was actually at Dynamite last night. Okay. Yeah, our second live report. So how did you like the show? Um, I actually liked the show. It was... Um, it was uh, Really pretty hot crowds for me coming in. I haven't watched the show back on TV, but I would say 80% of the show was pretty nice. But Are, are, uh, are you from Corpus Christi? Then, no, I, I um, drove in with a few of my friends from Austin last night. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm just kind of curious because Corpus Christi always has had that rep for being a bad wrestling town. Is uh, you know, I don't know if that's something you could speak to because certainly last night was... No indication that it was a quiet crowd at all. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, when I, that was my first show at Corpus Christi, and I know they got a reputation being quiet, quiet but um, it's AEW, and most AEW crowds are pretty hype. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think we did a pretty good job last night. I would say. Yeah, it came across really well. Um, I think it just seems to continue to the trend of like. All these live reports, anytime I've heard from somebody who's been to an AEW show, it just sounds like they're the, the best parties. Even like that particular, the last pay-per-view, which the audience didn't sound that great for, like the live reports were that, wow, like it was it was always fun and it was loud. What was the uh, closing, what was the sort of like some of the, the stuff that didn't make TV that you wanted to perhaps can enlighten our audience on? Um. Well, I could say... <laughs> Um, I don't know if, if you guys caught on a commercial break, but um, the segment with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with the um, cards. Um, didn't, didn't see it. The cards? Did you see it, John? Yeah, like a big like note cards. And Chris Jericho was saying, basically he was reciting everything that was on the note card. And he mentioned that, like, you guys can't hear us. You're always complaining about not being able to hear us during the commercial breaks. Oh, so, oh. Well, we didn't see any of this. this. No. Exactly what I'm saying during the commercial break. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was a little funny. Cool. Um, okay. I would say that 
maybe what didn't come through um, live was like the transitions between commercial breaks. Because um, it was kind of hard to tell when they were going in and out of them. Like, they didn't change the lighting or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I've been to other shows before where they'll tell you, hey, we're about to go on commercial break or something like that. Or they'll flash something on the screen. But um, mm-hmm. during AEW, they didn't do that. So you just had to kind of, like, pay attention to the, the trons and see if they were, like, showing something different. Thank you very much for the call. We uh, try to take as many calls as we can. But yeah, like it seems to me like AEW Dynamite has been sort of producing their shows as if commercials aren't really a thing, you know? And we actually heard, I believe from MJ, like in the feedback yesterday where he watched with some friends. I think he watched the Fight Fight TV. And he talked about just how it felt like a pay-per-view without, you know, like it's seamless, seamless kind of like a lot more, you know, content obviously between commercials. But they are producing their shows almost as if they're not thinking about the breaks at all. So yeah, you d- you you certainly get that sense, and I think that there's always, I think that's the detriment of like most of the people yeah, experiencing the show. Like the picture in picture, it's been interesting to watch. Like they, like the idea is okay. We want to we want to capture people's uh, interests so that they don't tune out. So. Do we have some some like we saw the week where they broke a table in the picture in picture like little things that so are at a least hair, haircut a haircut like visual elements that maybe are going to hold you but I, I would say and granted they're they're looking at the data and seeing who are they tuning out are they tuning in we we don't see all of the breakdown of that but I would at this ju- point I'm hearing more complaints about it than I think people well are. I am too yeah and I'd be curious if the data supports that and if it does then okay you tried something but it's more so important that you learn from something and I can apply this to the dark order too it's fine to try things I applaud people trying things but once you have your answer then it's how do you react to that and what do you do in response to that. Dark Order is not hit. So either make adjustments or or shelve it. But to me, to just bury your, your heels in and say the audience is wrong, we're right, and we're going to just force feed this to everybody, that to me, that, that's not learning from your audience. That's not playing off of your audience. And it's, um, I think that's where you're at. And you can apply it to even something like that where the, the commercial strategy. And I would be curious one week to watch it on the Fight TV mm-hmm. stream because I, I think that would certainly alleviate those criticisms and how much of a, of a cleaner viewing it would be if it was not interrupted by commercial. So maybe this is all just driving everyone to Fight TV. Maybe that's the goal that here. the plan. <laughs> Back to the phone lines right now. Caller, what's on your mind? How you doing, guys? Where are you? Oh, you, you made it too. I was I very worried. Would we not it. hear from this man before the end of the year? Uh, th- thank God. I was very concerned I wasn't going to get through before you, <laughs> before oh, you guys hiatus and, and shipped to Japan. Man. I'm excited. How about that breakdown of Dominic Garini, Phil Baroni from Bloodsport? Tremendous, man. Tremendous. That dude's awesome, man. That was a great interview. Yeah, I enjoyed chatting cool. with him. Um, pat yourselves on the back. I, dude, I wake up every morning and pat myself on the back. It's like, yes, <laughs> another day that I'm John Pollock. Like, what a – I win the lottery. <laughs> First off, happy happy holidays, by the way, right? You, you got Boxing Day coming up, eh? How? What do you guys? Like, the, it's not just Boxing Day. Did this dude like pull out like references to like Mississauga? I think like, he's just got City TV on in the background. Uh, how does he have City TV on? How does he get City TV in New Jersey? It's crazy. Like you're you're an honorary Canadian. You should definitely visit here sometime. I hear it's great in August, especially if it's a pay per view weekend. You should really come. What do you guys do during Boxing Day? Do you guys work on your left left cross uppercut? 
That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, terrible. <laughs> terrible. No, we just uh, we just compare maple syrup recipes and chat about our favorite Keanu Reeves facial expression. <laughs> Mine is the silent stare. No, oh, you just set him off, John. It, it, sorry. It, we, we went over 50 it, miles uh, per hour there. In, in any rate, um, um, my moment of the decade has got to be the, the uh, it's got to be the streaming wars. I mean, you have to okay. go into uh, ESPN Plus, and before that, the Fox deal, and pretty much changing the whole entire game with the, with, uh, the streaming wars in uh, combat sports and in pro wrestling. Isn't it uh, interesting, interesting, Brandon, that as we come up like this uh, January, it's six years since Fight Pass launched, and the following month, it's six years since WWE Network launched, and six years, six wow. years, 2014, those two launched at the beginning of the year, and. The UFC's next pay-per-view, they are, in the U.S., increasing the price of their pay-per-views back to the pre-ESPN Plus price of sixty four ninety nine. which I will say, for every U.S. person that is arguing about this, I've been paying that amount for UFC pay-per-views anyway. But I also don't have to pay each month for ESPN Plus. But here is UFC that, at the end of it, I mean, Fight Pass became a very small part of their business, and I... I, I look at where they landed. They didn't get the level of television deal WWE did, but still a solid one with ESPN. And now they're getting paid uh, a an event purchase, like an event fee every month by ESPN on top of splitting, you know, after a certain amount. And I, I look at the UFC's model. Like they did not run from pay-per-view and it was not a dying industry for them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what the WWE made a misstep on in regards to that, in that business, uh, you know, all, all that all that said, like, has WWE not had opportunities to step back and go back to the old model? Like, if they truly felt like they were missing out that much, I think it would be. I think it would be met with some negativity if suddenly year three or year four they announced WrestleMania is going back to pay per view. Um, and I think you would get hurt a bit from people that would not buy it on pay per view. But I think ultimately that would have been the move. And I don't think they would have had the dropout of subs- network subscribers if you still left 11 pay-per-views on there and WrestleMania was the one big pay-per-view of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people draw to that like flies and, and they could have they could have got more uh, more visitors in, into their website, but I don't know. I don't know what their, their end game is regardless of, the, of their streaming service. What is Brandon's holiday going to look like? What do, what do you have planned? Well, after getting done this my own gauntlet of work uh, this week and next uh, uh, should be uh, I'll be imbibing with some uh, JRU <laughs> bourbon that, that a buddy of mine uh, he he works in the distribution of that of that particular bourbon and, uh, oh no I'll way be imbibing in that wow oh yeah wow. yeah 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 damn cool you know all uh, the right people Brandon he, don't you hey man it's good to have friends in high places. Um, I just want to say one thing real quick, though. Uh, I, I know you, you want to do the rain and stuff, but uh, I just want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, 2019 has been a pretty rough year for me, but uh, with what you guys have cultivated and, uh, I mean, the, all the content that you provided, uh, I just want to say thank you. to You, uh, you provided me with uh, my sanity and uh, to listen to all the funny stuff that you guys produce, BDE, all that stuff, uh, WH Park and his uh, – and it's a fashion list for the uh, 2019 season. Uh, can't wait for that. He's a, he's, a, he's a genius at WH Park. What a man. This, uh, I just want to say thank you, guys. This is a very... I love you guys, and I, I mean it a lot. And wow. I'm out of here. Peace. Wow. Thank well, you, Brandon. Wow. To that, I say, n- number one, me and Way are f- fantastic. 
We're amazing. But number two, so are all of you people. So you know that was you. a very different side of Brandon. None of us ever heard before. I think um, you, I, I'm grateful that over the course of this year, we've learned a lot more about him. He's clearly a very complex individual that I actually look forward to now talking to every single. I always love chat with Brandon. Uh, but but really, I think this the, the hangout, all the changes we've done over the past year, taking phone calls, I've enjoyed so much, and and opening up to all the patrons, I've. It, it, it's, it continues, I think, to be my favorite show of the week. So thank you, everybody, for, for making The Hangout, I think, uh, as big of a success as it's been in this year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, my favorite one because we get to interact with everybody. And it's also, you know, it's also we know we can do a show and it's like you callers are going to, like, help fill the hour and a half for Not us. to take it's notes. Like, like, you know, it's great when we can have oh, a yeah. guest, but it's like me and Way are very much like when a guest makes sense, we'll have one on, but it's yeah. not that we have to have a guest every week. It's like, it's, yeah. we have more than enough great callers that call in each week. So we're still awaiting the numbers, correct? We are waiting. So, so in the meantime, why don't we get an update from our man, Neil, for the last time in 2019. Neil, what's going on? Hello, guys. How's it going? I don't have much to say this week. Um, I was good, but Brandon kind of stole my thunder there. But um, with the uh, with the uh, kind words about um, how 2019 has been with post wrestling, you know, and you've gone from strength to strength. So I just wanted to say happy holidays and um, such as they're going to be for you guys um, before you head off to Japan. When are you leaving? New Year's Day. At the stroke of midnight for Cinderella. Wow. Right. Yeah, man. Um, wh- and you'll be doing you'll be doing cat podcasts while you're there, I assume. Yes, we will be. That is certainly the plan. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll, it remains to be seen how how we'll be managing to keep up with like Raw, SmackDown, and and Dynamite while we're there. But um, the plan, at the very least, is to do obviously our Wrestle Kingdom coverage and perhaps you know podcasts talking about all the other shows that we attend that week. Excellent. Yeah, because um, I don't follow New Japan religiously and the primers that you've done in the previous couple of years have been very useful ahead of of wrestle kingdom whether or not you're going to have time to do anything like that so i'm Uh, not so sure we're going to be able to do a proper but i know john and wh will be talking about wrestle kingdom uh, at length on this week's post pro rest which you could download on sunday a lot of wh park this week so you can get all caught up neil the great WH Park. He is a genius, as Brandon said. Yes, he is. <laughs> and I'm going to let you into something, which is, you know, that secret group? Yeah. <laughs> that was mentioned a couple of weeks ago. WH was kind of giving off a little bit about not being put over enough. What? On the, on the show, we didn't put WH over enough? Are you kidding me? Why? What, what, were his, what was his concern? He just, he just wants everyone to put him over much more strongly. Well, well I, know, I know this DM group is specifically there to talk about the Watchmen. Is he, is he saying we're not talking about him enough as a Watchmen expert or just an, an expert in life in general? I would say in life in wow. general, yes. Wow. You know what? Um, WH, he is... He is. He's he's our lifeblood when we go to Japan. I can tell you that. Yeah, he is. Oh God, no doubt. Yeah, he's. I'm. There aren't enough. He is the Doctor Manhattan. I would say of uh, post wrestling. (laughs) Stole the analogy right out of me. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so. Thank you so much, Neil. Appreciate it. Uh, It's it's been great talking to you as well over the course of the year, and uh, hope to talk to you in the new year. Yeah, I'll catch you in 2020. Take care. Sounds great, Neil. Always great to hear from you. All righty. So, yeah, we're waiting. I still, uh, not, nothing has been uh, 
been posted yet so i i don't know uh, okay well we'll keep the phone lines going a little bit longer if you want to jump into the post wrestling hangout uh cafe whatever we're calling this thing um you still have a few more minutes is it strange to you how like different the times are every single week like when when these things get announced um like well why can't we come to a consistent standard everybody yeah maybe come just on. like uh the world stops and someone comes out onto a podium and reads. Could you imagine how dramatic that would be if they came out and read the numbers every week? Would it be Triple H and maybe Yeah, Cody? Paul and Tony Khan walk out and you have a moderator that releases and you get in real time the reactions to females you, 12 to 34. Do you think we'll have this kind of like fascination with this this ratings like, you know, deep into the next year? Or is it going to get to the point where we we'll just be like, oh, yeah, by the way. This was a number. I mean, I, I don't look at it as like it's this uh, fascinating thing. I mean, I think it's something that we should, uh, you know, track. I think it's the we should certainly be tracking this. I, I don't I don't say that there's like some big countdown to this release every week. I mean, fans get into it and stuff. Um, may, maybe too much so in terms of. It's, I think it's just because it's been so long, and I think it's in that time in the twenty years we really romanticized the Monday Night War so much that. There's certainly like a craving for something like that again. Well, let's let's also be clear that it's more than anyone. The WWE has so greatly made that Monday Night War period such a defining part of their legacy. Oh yeah, that I find it very difficult now to switch the uh, the company stance to it's a marathon, not a sprint. Everyone can love everything. It's, it's a mar- like, It was so much like this war that it's. That was made by the companies. That line is is really interesting because it's like it's a marathon and it's not a sprint until they're in the lead. Now is it a sprint or is it a marathon? Now it's a brisk walk. Yes, <laughs> it's like you know what? It's I totally understand why fans get into this. And there's let's, I think it's a very small number that are the extremes that just are out to kill everyone over which is better. And I think most are same people that are just uh, following all of this, but. Believe me, it's it was very much perpetuated by these companies that made such a big deal of of just the, the idea of like winning this war and how for the last twenty five years this has just been such a period that no like some people have just never gotten past and this is kind of being able to revisit it. That it's fun though. It know? is fun for fans. It's I, I think like there's I think at times way too much seriousness uh, yeah. attached to all of this stuff. It's like. So what? You have you have fans that get into it and, you know, television ratings, it's like it doesn't denote like a winner and loser. It's just, you know, it's it's data that you can take however you please. Yes, it is true. But um yeah, it's it's been an educational year, I would say, for for all that and uh it's been a lot of like great discussion. I I mean, at least for a time I think it's reinvigorated a lot of wrestling uh fandom, uh in particular on Wednesdays. We'll see if that rolls into the new year or if fans, you know, it also like I would say the addition of these like four hours on a Wednesday has certainly seemed to take a toll on maybe people's interest in things outside of WWE. Like, for instance, I hear a lot less about New Japan uh, and that just might be perhaps the gap between, you know, the G1 and and Wrestle Kingdom. That might change uh, coming up in January 1st. But uh, certainly like, you know, uh, Ring of Honor is clearly taking a hit. But really, I I would say people's interest in anything non-AEW or WWE, uh, I think, has taken a big hit as well. So we'll see how it all continues into the new year. Uh, Just going in-house, because uh, this is the last time we'll get to speak to some of you. Uh, 
over the holidays, we're going to have uh, plenty of shows coming out. Christmas Eve, we'll have the Christmas show coming out. That'll be available to everyone at postwrestling.com. The following two weeks on Tuesdays, we'll be doing the early release of Best of 2019 and Worst of 2019. So if you want to sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com, you'll get those shows two days before everyone else on the two Tuesdays. So mm-hmm. you can check that out. And then those shows will be out for everyone on the Thursdays of each week. Uh, so looking forward to that. So... Uh- do you want to go? PW Torch has tweeted out. Why don't you read what you've got? So PW Torch at PW Torch, of course, uh, the very respected PW Torch. They have said NXT wins the night with seven hundred ninety-five thousand versus AEW Dynamite's six hundred eighty-three thousand live and same night DVR viewers. So all right, so that was NXT our- also wins adult and young male demographics for the first time across the board. So we shall, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. What do you think? That's, you know, um, not surprising. I think that there was a lot of promotion for this this NXT show. I think they, they did a very good job, especially promoting the, the women's match. Um, yeah, the, the fact that they had such a clean sweep, um, that's really impressive for NXT. I mean, this is a, that, that's a clear win for NXT. Does it surprise you in any way? Um, maybe winning all of the demos, that's... You know, somewhat. Uh, eh, it's notable the the fact that they won. I don't. I don't think I'm surprised by it. I think that they had the the better promoted show, but you had AEW at least with the momentum that they were the ones that had been, uh, that had been doing so well in especially in the key demo. That um, it's hard just in one week to promote a card. Uh, to me, it was probably something that has been growing for a few weeks, and it peaked with like a big show from NXT. I've been really impressed, I, th- I think, at how well they've been able to sustain the momentum coming off of Survivor Series. You know, I think they, they, they recognize that they had an opportunity to, you know, show themselves to a different audience. I mean, mainly a WWE Raw and SmackDown audience uh, about what their product is, and it feels like they've really kind of hit their crescendo, not just at War Games, but I think immediately afterwards with, you know, the rise of a new character like Rhea Ripley, um, I think really at the helm of, of it all, in my opinion. And that's perhaps, you know, some of the fruits of their labor was last night, having the show culminate with Rhea Ripley's coronation. Um, I, I, I'm really impressed at how well they've been able to, to maintain it all. And AEW Dynamite, I would say conversely, I don't know if I've certainly not felt that same, you know, upward trajectory at all. Um, the main discussion coming out of last night's episode of Dynamite wasn't necessarily what they did right, but what they did wrong, ending the show with the Dark Order. And when you see those two pictures side by side of Rhea Ripley, new champion of NXT, being held up in the ring with the entire locker room versus on the other channel, the Dark Order, beating up the Elite, uh, I kind of feel like those pictures really tell tell it all, at least you know as it relates to this particular portion of this Wednesday Night War. All right. Um, we are going to sign off, but, uh, we will have a full breakdown, uh, later tonight of the numbers, but that was at least the overall viewership and I guess NXT winning the, uh, especially the 18 to 49 demo. That's the big one that they, they went out. Uh, so I want to thank everyone, all the great calls we got on today's show, as well as uh, Dominic Garini for joining us. Uh, again, you can catch him on Uncharted Territory tonight, independentwrestling.tv at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as uh, weekly on MLW Fusion and all over the place. He'll be on AIW. Baby, it's too cold, Scorpio outside. So that's going to wrap up the Cafe Hangout for the year. We will be back in the new year. So follow along during the holidays. No shortage of shows that we'll still be putting out at postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. Thank you, everyone. We love doing this show. And thank you very much for tuning in.
Goodbye. Thank you.